Let's open God's Word. If you've got your Bibles, if you can turn to the book of James. So we're going to be in the letter of James. Uh, and quite near the start, we're going to be in, uh, looking at some verses in James chapter 1. Um, it will be coming up on the screen, so if you don't have your Bible with you, that's absolutely fine. You can follow along up there. But just while you're finding your way there, uh, it was the back end of last summer, I think it was, I was driving in the car and I was listening to, listening to the radio. And there was... Um, you know how sometimes on the radio shows they, do, they have their own little fun games that they play and there's, sometimes there's opportunities for, for, for listeners to call in and be involved in it. And this one station I was listening to, they do a thing uh, where, where they have a, people, a couple of people can call in and they play a game where it's kind of like a karaoke game where they'll, they'll, play, a, they'll play a song and then it'll cut out and then the person has to sing the rest of, they have to sing the next line, uh, and it's trying to see who can, who can do the best and who can sing the most lines back. And this one I was listening to, I t- it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. They had this, this man and this woman that were wanting to, to, to do it, and, uh, and it started off, and this guy, he, he didn't get the first one right, he was fairly close, he didn't quite get the words right, but it just seemed that as the game went on, he just got worse and worse at it. It kind of got to a point where you're like, uh, okay, that, that, so it's all right, you, you're nearly there, but you're not quite okay. And then as it went on, it's like, you're actually just making up your own words. It's not even close to what the lyric actually is. You're just making it up as you go along. And I'm like, I'm one, I quite like making up my own little versions of songs. But if this, if this is like a game where you're meant to be singing the right words, like surely you're, you're going to be trying. But this guy was just putting in his own words to the point where by the end of it, he wasn't actually saying words. He was just making noises that vaguely <laughs> fitted in with the tune. And I was like, it, I was just cracking up. I was finding it more and more funny as I was driving along. And then at the end of the game, the, the, the person who was hosting the radio was just like, what, what, what's going on? What's going on? It's like, you didn't really do very well there, did you? And he's like, yeah, uh, all of my friends, they, they kind of know that I'm not very good at remembering lyrics and stuff. And then they're like, well, maybe this just is not the game for you. It's like, maybe you should have taken their hint if this is what you're known for. And it's got me thinking that for this guy, he was, in a way, he was so caught up with wanting to be heard, actually what he should have been doing was listening. Firstly, he should have been listening to songs so that he actually knew what the lyrics to the songs were. But secondly, he should have been listening to his friends. If his friends are saying, look, mate, you've got a reputation for not knowing the words to songs, don't go on a show where the whole point of it is knowing the words to songs. Should have spent less time worrying about being heard and more time actually listening to what is being said. You see, there are times when it really matters how we listen. There are times when it really matters how we listening, and that's going to be our focus for today. We're working our way through a series at the start of this year that we've called Deeper, and the purpose of it, the premise of the series is really thinking about how it is that we can go deeper in our relationship with God, and then as we go deeper in our relationship with God, how does that enable us to go deeper in our relationship with brothers and sisters uh, within the church, but also how does that enable us to, to relate in a deeper way to those outside the church as well. So that's what we've been, been focusing on over the last few weeks, and if you've been here, you might remember that we're working our way through five words, beginning with L, uh, that were on the, the front of my primary school t-shirts and jumpers, uh, and they are live, love, look, listen, and learn. And we started off in week one, uh, where we were in the book of Philippians, and Paul was writing to the church about how for him to live is Christ and to die is gain, thinking about actually all around that focus of, of live, what it is. To live. And then in week two, we were looking at, um, it was Jesus' words when he was asked what the greatest commandment, his response was this, is that actually the greatest thing you can do with your life is to love God with everything you, with, that you have, and secondly is to love 
people. So we were thinking about what it is to love. Uh, last week, Mike, I'm trying to remember the order of the words now. Uh, last week, Mike was looking at, looking at look, uh, in Philippians again, as Paul was encouraging the church, actually, you're not to be those that only look to your own interests, but we're to look to the interests of others as well. And then today, we're going to be thinking about what it is to listen and thinking about, actually, we're going to hear that James has some things to say about listening. Now, the book of James, or the letter of James, James was the brother of Jesus, and this letter was written to the Jewish Christians who, uh, at the time, had been kind of scattered across a great number of countries and in a great number of places. And this is a letter that he has written as their encouragement. They were going through a time, it would seem, having been scattered and times of kind of trial and persecution. In the verses leading up to where we're going to pick up from, he touches a lot on on the trials that they're going through, how it is that we endure trials, how it is that actually we're to view trials and how we understand our relationship to God within that context, what it is to, to seek God in those moments for wisdom and for faith. And then in, we're going to be reading from verse 19. But he says something really foundational and really interesting in uh, verse 18. He speaks that actually it's that, that we, through the gospel, uh, because of, sorry, by the word of truth, we have been born again. And when he talks about the word of truth, he's talking about the gospel. That it's through the gospel that we've been born again. The gospel that would say that there's only, that Jesus is the only way to salvation. We've been singing about that a lot, haven't we? About Jesus is the only name. Jesus is the only one. The work that Jesus accomplished on the cross and through his death and resurrection. It's it's the gospel that enables us to be born again where we die to our old selves and we're, we're raised again into new life in him. How Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience to the Father then went to the cross and on the cross he bore the sins of, of all, all mankind. And then three days later he rose again from the dead, raising in triumph, meaning that he has triumphed over sin but he has triumphed over death as well. And he offers us eternal life and it's the word of truth the gospel the word of truth that brings us into that place of new life and new birth so let's pick up from verse 19 Uh, and this is how James continues in his writing he says know this my beloved brothers let every person be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But... The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. It's to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So James's message really is this, is that listening is important. And how we listen is important. You see, James's call, is, James's call is to everyone. Is that everyone is to be aware uh, and, and really how to, just to, to really consider 
how we listen and how we speak. He says, actually, everyone should be quick to hear, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. Even in these early verses, I kind of felt a little bit of a, a, a bit of a challenge here because, and again, this is just where I'm at with, with my thinking. I'm wondering, actually, are we by nature, if we're left to our own devices, are we actually inclined to do things a little bit more the other way around? Where actually maybe we're more naturally inclined to be quite slow to listen, quick to speak. I've been to a number of conferences uh, and different training sessions, and, and it's been a, a fairly common feature of some. In actually, you, you've had sessions on knowing how to listen well, but actually, it's a skill that needs to be learned very often. I think there are some people who, who actually naturally are very good at listening. But I think for many, actually, it's something we need to learn how to do well. And the fact that so many course, there are so many courses and things available on how to listen, actually, I think, does, does emphasise that point, that maybe naturally we're quicker to speak than we are to listen. <coughs> maybe it could be we're slow to listen because sometimes we're, when someone else is speaking to us, we're actually thinking about what it is that we want to say in response rather than listening to what's being said. Or it might be that we're actually we're listening because we're waiting for a gap where we can then get in and say what we want to say. That doesn't always come from a bad place. I don't think it does. But actually, it might, it might be that, that we're not listening quickly enough and we're actually wanting to be quite quick to speak. Remember, James is writing to a church that's going through a time of trial. I know from my experience, if I'm going through a, through a time that, that's hard and a season that's hard, sometimes I can be so focused on, on what's going on around me, it can kind of consume me to the extent that then when I want to talk, that can be the thing that I want to talk about. And, I, and when I'm in that place, actually, I, 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 I listen less when actually maybe what I need to do is to listen more because I need to hear some input from someone else that might be able to speak into the situation. But there's that challenge that comes where I'm just like, actually, this thing is quite, quite consuming, so I just want to, I'm quicker to speak rather than actually being quicker to listen. But the thing is, if we're slow to listen, it's likely that our temper will quicken. I don't know if that's your experience. The slower we are to listen, actually, the quicker we are to to get angry and the quicker it is for our temper to rise. And anger is something that the scriptures really take very seriously. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes this to the church. He says, he says to be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. See, actually, if we look at the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus got angry sometimes. But his anger was a, it was a justified anger. It was a, what we might call a righteous anger. And it looks like it's not something that came about quickly. It's something that actually he was slow to get to that point. And what we need to be aware, and this is something that James says, James says, doesn't he, in his writing, he says that actually the, um, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we need to be really aware, actually, of if we do get angry, that it doesn't lead us to a place of, of sin. And Paul says here, actually, if we're not, we, we need to be aware that anger can give the devil a foothold into our life and into situations 
that we're in. So we need to be those who are actually... Um, sorry, so the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And when we're talking about the righteousness of God, what we mean is, is actually that's to be living in a way that is in accord with the will of God. So we live in lives that reflect and demonstrate the will of God in our own life, in the way that we are living. And in what that demonstrates and, and shows. So if, Paul, if, sorry, if James is saying, look, if, uh, if, the, the anger, if the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, then if we're those who are, are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, actually there's something there where the righteousness of God is produced in our life. But this isn't just good advice. It is good advice. It's very wise. That in the way we deal with one another, deal with one another let's be those who are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger in the way that we deal with people. That is, that is great wisdom. And that is good advice. But it's not just good advice. Because what James is writing about, actually this is about how we live out our faith. This is about how we live out our faith. And he continues. He says, therefore, so in um, verse 21, he says, therefore, so because of this, because of this, we're, we're to put away all filthiness. We're to put away all wickedness. We're to put away all filth. That word that's used there for put away is the same word that's used for, for stripping off dirty clothing. So it's this sense of actually completely removing from yourself and and being done with it, not to be put on again. Look, we're called to to remove wickedness and and filthiness and sin from us. Because those things will not produce the righteousness of God. We need to be done with those. Those things aren't, as those who have been brought into new life, those things just don't, don't fit with the life that Jesus has won for us and the life that Jesus has called us to. And at this point, it might feel like, even in these opening two or three verses, it feels like, hang on, James seems to be jumping around here a little bit. He's talking about what it is to to be a good listener. And then he's talking about how it is that we manage our anger. And now he's talking about morals and, and ethics. It seems maybe a little bit disjointed. But in his commentary, Sam Aubrey found this really helpful. He said that all of these things, so these things that I've just mentioned, these things that we've just read in James and looked at already, all of these things are tied up with one underlying issue, which is this, how we respond to God's word, which is really what James is getting to. How do we respond to God's word? Because the way that we rid ourselves of sin is by humbly accepting God's word. God's word changes us. It is. It's the word of God that changes us. And if it's the word of God that changes us, then we have to listen to what the word of God has to say. See, James starts by saying we're to be those who are quick to hear. I think before we even think about that in terms of how we work that out in personal relationships with people, we must be quick to hear what the word of God has to say. We must be quick to listen to what the Word of God has to say. Actually, it's His voice that we need to hear above all other voices. And it matters how we listen. We must be attentive. We must give it time. don't know if you've realised this, but the Bible isn't actually a very big book. There are books written about the Bible that are bigger than the Bible. 
But there are uh, uh, lots of other books that are written and resources available that talk about how to read through your Bible in a year. I've had conversations with people that say, actually, I don't find that, that helpful because for me, that would be rushing it too much. How many other books of the size of the Bible would you say, actually, a year is not really enough for me to, to dig into? And the Bible's not like any other book. It's really not like any other book. There are verses, aren't they, that say that the, script, the Word of God is like a double-edged sword that kind of really cuts through us. It shows us what we're like. It reveals things about us. And so when we come to the Word, we need to be attentive in how we listen. We need to give it time. This works itself out on our own, in our own personal life, because we, we, we spend time on our own in the Word. We need to read it. We need to pray as we do so. Don't we need the Holy Spirit's help to, to, to help us as we read the Word? We need to meditate on it. To allow ourselves some time to think and to, and to just ponder on things. I think, what was it last week when Maggie brought that encouragement to us and just picked up on, on those verses that say about being those who meditate in the Word of God day and night. It does us good to meditate on the Word of God. here that sometimes we need to wrestle with the word of God. I think actually we, we do, don't we? We wrestle with it. We have to kind of, actually, what is this saying? What does this mean for me? What, how will that affect the way that I'm living? What change will that mean for me? Do I actually really believe that to be true? Actually, what are the consequences of if I do what the Bible says? What does that mean? We, we have to wrestle and grapple with scripture. I don't know if you found this, but I think actually sometimes it's not so much that we examine the Bible, but what we find is actually the Bible examines us as we read it. It shows us who we are. It's not always comfortable reading. But actually all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for all things and bringing us. It, 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 it equips us and trains us for life and godliness. So we need to give ourselves to the word on our own, but there's also that sense of doing it corporately, isn't there? The early church devoted themselves to some things we're told. One of the main things they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching. It was such a part of who they are, they gave themselves to studying the Word together, and to discussing the Word together, and to exploring the Word together. We not long ago did a series, didn't we, looking at our core values as a church. I'm pretty sure the first week was this, is that we are a church who are Word-based. That we hold the Bible central and foundational to who we are and to what we do. It plays an important role when we're together, doesn't it? Not just in terms of when we come to, to preach from the Word, but actually we, we, we love it when, when people bring scriptures and, and when people are leading, they bring scriptures to, to lead us into things and to encourage us in it. It's so important. I was really encouraged. Recently, someone uh, came up to me at church and... and and, and they told me how one of the sermons that I'd given, that God had really just touched on something in their life that they'd not really th thought about before. And while they hadn't been able to speak to me, they went and sought out someone else in the church and discussed it with them. And they were able to give them some really helpful uh, advice in terms of, okay, so what do we do with what you're thinking? What does it mean for you to, to progress from this place? If God's highlighted something in your life out of his word, what does it look like for you to move on from that place? I was so encouraged by that. Firstly, I was encouraged uh, in the fact that, that people, that there's a sense of looking to encourage and support one another as a family. That's what we're called to do. 
We're meant to, you know, being part of the church family is important, isn't it? But there's also this sense of this person saying, Look, I know God's touched on something in my life, therefore I know I need to respond in some way. And it's, surely it's going to have to make a difference in my life. You see, listening alone is not enough. It is not just enough to be hearers. And this is at the core of what James has to say in these verses. He says that listening is of great importance, but don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word also. And I think really this is the core of what James is saying. Don't just be a, a, a hearer or a listener of the word, but do be a doer of the word also. Do what it says. And then James uses this great picture of the mirror. I don't spend a great deal of time in front of a mirror. Might not surprise many of you. But I, uh, one of the things I like to keep an eye on is, I don't know whether to share this or not, is uh, I'm pretty sure I've, I've inherited my grandfather's eyebrows. So I like to keep check on them because I think at any moment they're just going to they're just going to go wild at some point. So I like to, I use a mirror for the usher. What am I doing? <laughs> Luke's are, so yeah. <laughs> and and uh, my other main use for the mirror is, is checking in on my beard. Uh, any beard wearers in here will, will know that sometimes you can end up smuggling things in there that you didn't want to. <laughs> Mainly in terms of food, not other stuff. Just, so it's good to be able to keep a check of it. But then if I see something in the mirror that I... If I do see, hang on a minute, there is something kind of caught in my beard. What, what am I going to do if I see it? Surely I eat it. No, surely I'm going <laughs> to, depends what it is. But surely I'm going to do something about it, aren't I? That's the point of a mirror, isn't it? Because it shows us what it, it gives us. That we, we see what we look like and then we see actually are there any changes that I need to make or anything that needs to, to happen in this moment. We don't just walk away and forget what we look like. That would, that would just defeat the point of having looked in the mirror in the first place, right? You're better off not even having have, have, have done it. What is the mirror for if when it's used, the person looking in it goes away and forgets what they saw? And in using this picture, James is saying, look, just like a mirror, the word of God shows us what we're really like. The word of God shows us what we are really like, but it requires a response on our part then. It requires action on our part. I came across a, a talk that Francis Chan did. Uh, and in particular, he was speaking about the call in, in the scripture to be those that go and make Disciples, And he was saying, could it be that actually in the church, when, when our main thing is not so much about doing the word, but about kind of learning the word and memorizing the word. We need to be careful that we're not those that are so caught up with, don't get me wrong, it is good to know the word. It is good to memorize the word. But then it should lead us on to actually doing the word. If our main, if we see our, our main use of the word as is, is purely just being about knowing it and, and, and memorizing it, then we've actually fallen short of what God has given us the word for. And he uses this great example. He says, just imagine, he's like, if I tell my daughter, he's like, uh, he says, Ruth, you, you need to go up and clean your, you need to go and tidy your room. And then she comes down a few hours later, and she comes down and she goes, Dad, she's like, I memorized what you asked me to do. So she's like, and I've even memorized it in Greek, she might say. <laughs> And actually, in a couple of hours, I've got some friends coming around and we're going to kind of do a study on what it might look like for me to, to tidy my room. 
know it seems a bit silly, but it's like, actually, are we in danger of being like that in the way that we handle God's word? Where we're like, actually, yeah, God, we, we've memorized what you've, asked, what you've asked of us. And we get together and we have times where we study what the word says and we think, this is what it might look like to live out God's word. But that's not, we know that's not how it works. We know that's not what the Father is looking for. He's looking for a response to what, what he's asked of us, isn't he? Remembering, memorizing is not enough. Talking about what it might look like is not enough. We need to be those that actually do what the Bible asks us to do. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now throughout... These verses, James has used a number of different phrases to to talk about God's word. In verse 18 that I mentioned at the start, he talks about the word of truth. Verse 21, he speaks about the word that has been implanted within you. And now in verse 25, he's talking about the perfect law that gives freedom. Actually, he's talking about the same thing. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the scriptures, all of scripture that we need to hold to. And we uh, we need to be those who really look into God's word and we need to be those who really persevere in God's word and we need to be those who are not just hearers of God's word who who then forget what God has said to us but we need to be those who are are doers who act on what God has said you see what the father is looking for is obedience that's what James is saying what the father is looking for the father reveals himself to us through the word doesn't he But what he's looking for from us is obedience to what he calls us to. So now we're talking about law. And now we're talking about obedience. And just, I think, generally, if we were thinking about how those words might be received. We're talking about law and obedience. It might sound kind of stifling. It might sound something, actually, that's not really desirable. We don't want to be people who are kind of limited or, or, or feel kind of constrained. There's a lot of thought, isn't there, about actually that the, the, the actually it's all about people being free to be who they are and wanting freedom. I just want to touch on a couple of things here. The first one is this. A few weeks ago, when I was speaking, I was talking about actually how the greatest thing that we can do, the, the greatest thing that we're called to do, is to love God. I remember hearing. I think it was Steph Liston that was speaking and he was talking about love languages you know the way in which people how people give and receive love and he was saying that God's love language to us is grace do you remember those couple of weeks ago we were saying we can only love because he loved us first he showed us what love is through Jesus through sending his son to die for us being that sacrifice for us God's love language to us how he demonstrates his love for us is through grace Calling us into his family, out of his own initiative, out of his own love for us. And our love language to him in response is obedience. As a response to what he's done for us, it's obedience. It's not done out of a sense of, this is some sort of, you're obligated to do this. It's not that, it's a response. Our way of being able to show God that we love him through being obedient to him but James says 
actually, when talking about obedience, what it is to be those who are doers and, and not just hearers, he says, yes, in, in one sense, that it is that. It's our way of showing God that we love him. It's our way of responding to what he's done for us. Actually, it, we, we find freedom in obedience because it enables us to flourish and be all that God has called us to be. Because if we're obedient to the way that God has called us to live, actually, we're becoming, uh, pressing more and more into the life that we were meant to have and the life that God has for us. And so there is that sense of obedience, is yet it's my response to God for what he's done. But James also says that there's a blessing that comes to us in obedience. Isn't that wonderful? That we find blessing in the act of doing. It's not a, be- it's not a blessing that will come at some point in the future or a blessing that's to come. He says, actually, you, there is blessing in, in the doing. There is a blessing in that place of obedience. Jesus himself, when he was with his disciples in John 13, he's washing the disciples' feet and he's saying, just as I've done for you, look, I've set you an example, you're to, this is the way that you're meant to be with one another as well. And then he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. There's a blessing that comes for us. There's, in a sense, we, we get something out of obedience. God receives something, but we receive something as well. We get to receive the blessing of God in the doing. The second thing is this. Again, I, I do think, generally, if you were talking to people about law and, and obedience, there, there would be this sense of, but actually, that just sounds restrictive. That doesn't sound like freedom. But actually, rather than restriction, we do find freedom. Sam Albury, who I mentioned a while ago, he says that the difference between his commands, so the difference between God's commands and anyone else's, is that his are given purely out of love for us and a desire for us to flourish and prosper. That's God's heart for us. Did you, do you believe that God's heart for you is that you would flourish and prosper? So then if we're going to be, in order to, to really enter into all that God has for us and for us to flourish and for us to prosper, and for us to be the people that God has called us to be, actually then we, we, we need to live within kind of this framework, if you like, these constraints that God has given us. He's not given us constraints to restrict our freedom. Actually, we need constraints to be able to be free. What would happen in a game of football if there was no one keeping track of what was going on? and It, it would descend into chaos. No one would actually have any fun. And as much as people might moan about referees, you need them there. Because actually the freedom comes within those constraints. And in, in, that's maybe a very simple illustration to use, but I think it's helpful. Actually, we need guidelines and we need constraints. And it's within that framework that we find freedom. Because the, one who, who's the, one, the commands are coming from one who is, is motivated by love for us and wanting to see us flourish and wanting to see us prosper. See, obedience, being doers, gives us the opportunity and ability to give expression to what we truly are, which is those who are created in the image of God. The call to be hearers and doers is not something that's kind of peripheral or on the edge of what it is to be a believer. It's not a case of, you know, the more you put in, we we can say sometimes, well, the more you put in, the more you'll get out. 
It's not like that. It's not like we're saying, look, we're safe, but actually you'll get a bit more out if you respond to, if you are obedient to what God calls us to do. You'll get a bit more out if you, if you do what the Word calls you to do. But if you don't, that's okay. You might just not get as much as, as someone else who puts it in. Actually, we, we need to be really careful that we don't see being doers of the Word like that. It's not a peripheral thing. It is absolutely vital. In Luke chapter 6, uh, Jesus shares the, the parable, uh, this parable, that you, you may be familiar with. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundations on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So it's not a case of the more you put in, the more you get out. Actually, this is, found, this is foundational. We need to be those who are listening to the word, but we have to be those that are doers and not just listeners. Because when we hear God's word and when we do them, Jesus himself tells us that we're building well. We're building something. This has kind of struck me in a new way, I think, because I've been preparing for this. Our obedience builds something in our lives. We build well when we're obedient to the word of God. We're building our lives on strong foundations, which means that when trials come, when pressures come, where things would come to seek to, to knock us, we'll be able to stand. But it comes from that place, what does Jesus say? Don't just be hearers, but be doers. Because if you do what my word says, if you actually enable and allow the word of God to bring change into your life, if you respond to that, then you're building on sure foundations. Don't we all want to be building on sure foundations? Don't we all want to be building our lives well? What's the key to it? Don't just listen, but do what the word calls us to as well. You see, if we hear God's words and don't do them, then we're vulnerable. There's a vulnerability to us in that place. Might not, that might not sound like the most cheery place to kind of bring things to a close, but it's important that we recognise it. And I want to say it not, so much, not as a fear thing, not as in a actually you're going to be really vulnerable, but as an encouragement of look at the life that you could build. There is, there is a strength to the lives that we build if we are those that do, as well as just listen. And obedience will make a difference. It will change us, and it will show itself through the way that we live. And in these last couple of verses of Luke, we're not going to go into them in any detail, but uh, that, that's what Luke picks up on. He's saying, look, actually, this is the kind of life that you are called to. This is what the Word of God will produce within you. And I'd really encourage you to read the... At some point, um, maybe don't leave it too long, otherwise you might forget uh, to do it, but I'd really encourage you to read through the rest of the letter because James really unpacks these things further. He speaks about what it is to, have, to control your tongue. He speaks about what it is to be those who have no partiality and look after those who are most needy and most vulnerable. And then he speaks about what it is um, to be those who... Um, are living lives where actually um, 
let me get this right, where, where we are, how, how we keep ourselves unstained from the world and, and keep walking in, in holiness and, and walking in purity. So I wouldn't have been able to get into that in any depth now, and actually it's outside the scope of what I really felt for us. But please do go and read it uh, and act, <laughs> act on, on what you read there. So as we, as, we, as we work through this series, at the start of this series, we think about what it is. How do I go deeper in my relationship with God? How do I go deeper in my relationship with others? I think James really shows us just how important listening is. We want to go deeper. We need to be those who are quick to listen. Primarily to be those who are quick to listen to the word of God. Let's not neglect the word of God. I think sometimes we can get caught up with what time of day do I get into the word? How long do I need to do it? Those questions are secondary questions. The most important question is, are you reading the word? Are you getting into the word? You'll work those other things out. You'll work out rhythms and ways that work best for you. But don't wait to have that sorted before you press into the word. But then how do we really grow deeper? We're not to be those who are just listeners. We need to be those who are doers also. In that obedience, we, we demonstrate, and I think we deepen our love. Our love for God will deepen in those moments. But not only that, we receive blessing in the doing. And we're building on solid and sure foundations. And as we live a life like that with God, then surely it's going to overflow into the way that we are with other people. If we're quick to listen to God, and if we enable God to move us, uh, to, to shape us and to change us, then I think we will be those who will be able to be those who are, are quick to listen, slower to speak and slower to anger in the way that we are with other people. That is God's heart for us. So what response can we make? In a moment, I'm going to pray quite, a, hopefully, every time we come up to preach, we think about, is there a response that we can make in this moment? Because we don't just want to, like we say, we don't just want to hear and go, oh, that was a nice, nice talk, and then that be it. Actually, what, what is God highlighting to us and maybe touching on? And in a moment, I will pray. I'll pray that God helps us by his Holy Spirit to be the people that he's called us to be. But ultimately, the response we have to make is that we each have to make a decision about whether we will listen to what we've heard. We have to make a decision about whether we will do what we have heard. I'll, I'll pray for us, for God's help, absolutely. <coughs> But it's a decision that we have to make. You see, the Christian life is not a passive one. It is not a passive one. It's one that is lived in, in cooperation with the Spirit and with the Word. But we each need to decide what we're going to do with what we have heard. I can't make that decision for you. You need to make that decision for yourself. I can't respond for you. You need to make that response yourself. But I will pray for us as we do that. Because as with all things, don't we need the Holy Spirit's help to do this? Because if we try and, and, and do this in our own strength, we, we won't be able to. But what a gift God has given us. How wonderful that Jesus said, actually, I need to go. Better for you that I go, because then the Holy Spirit can come. The Helper can come. What a gift we've been given. Let's pray, shall we?